Honey, where is my podcast? Hello, world. Eric Dye here, along with my good friends Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. I'm glad you could join us on our 40th episode of the Church Mag Podcast. I do recognize that people that are writing open letters, there's a lot of people that just need to stop. So it was an open letter to open letters. That's very meta, very inception. My mind's spinning a little bit. Open letters were supposed to be civilized ways of carrying on a debate. This week's podcast is brought to you by Church Mag Press, ebooks and digital resources for church techs and creatives. Visit churchmagpress.com. We will be discussing the Christian online phenomenon known as open letters. Are they good? Bad? Maybe neither. But first, let's take a listen to this week's Church Mag Pro Tip from Church Mag's very own Chris Wilson. Chris Wilson with a quick Instagram tip for you. Now, one of the big problems with Instagram, as opposed to other social networks like Facebook, Twitter, even Google+, is it's quite hard to discover new sources and have people discover you in turn. Sure, there are hashtags and sure, there's this kind, some people are using reposting, but it's not very easy to do, it's not natively supported, and it doesn't encourage uh, that word of mouth effect that you can get with things like uh, Twitter, where people can reshare your post or mention your post, uh, or uh, Facebook, where you can share as well. Uh, so there is a way around it though, a nice little trick which can help you uh, get more and have people find your account. But you need to be careful with this one. And I'll explain why in a second. So the trick is to encourage your followers to tag people they know in the comment section. So if you ask a question, then you can encourage people, oh, tag someone you know who this is uh, useful for. Or uh, tag a friend who you think would like to follow us. Or even better, tag someone who needs to hear this message. If you've got like a little clip or something like that where you're using a video or something else, then you can use that sort of approach to encourage people to uh, share your message with others uh, in a way that is natively supported within Instagram. And it will show up in that person's notifications, the person who's been tagged. The reason you need to be careful is you can easily get this wrong. So there are two ways to do that. One is by um, is by spamming people. So uh, you don't know who your follower is going to tag in the comments. They could tag someone who really does not want to hear that. And then you could be reported for spam because of what you're doing. So you need to be a bit careful with that. And the other reason is Imagine if you ask a question like, pray, uh, tag someone who's going through a hard time. Well, this person who's tagged may not want to have that information put out. So you need to be very careful with making sure your, uh, your congregation or your followers um, tag the right people. So make sure you're asking the right questions and encourage them not to tag people um, who shouldn't be tagged. But when you get it right, it's a great way for people to connect and to use that word of mouth effect, which can snowball your following. We thought we'd get all organized for the Church Mag podcast, but after recording the first one, suddenly we have like an impromptu topic idea 
Which I think is awesome. So while we're trying to be organized, we're still letting there be some creative levity. Did I use that word right, Phil? Yes, you did. Sorry, I was blowing my nose. That's all right. That's all right. There's no cough button on here, so you have to actually go with find your mouse and re-click. And... But yes, you did use the word correctly. Very nice. And when the podcast is over, Jeremy, I have a link for you. So just so you know. So the topic idea on the church may... Oh, let's do our introductions, I guess. I'm Eric Dye. Jeremy said. Well, it's not a joke, Jeremy. Don't laugh when you say your name. Now I'm going to have to read. Okay. Well, I'm just, think, I'm just thinking last week we didn't introduce ourselves. I know. And that was the first podcast of the I know, season. right? Well, I thought maybe I would get an announcer to do it. Ooh. So he's only hired for one episode. Yeah, only one episode. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Hey, ladies and gentlemen, the Church Mag Podcast with Eric Dye. <laughs> Like that? Yeah, awesome. kind of like that. But, but, but better. But better, yeah. The very awesome Phil Schneider and Jeremy Smith rocking the Church Mag Podcast. Wow. Wait, so, wait, wait, wait. Way to throw Jeremy under the bus there. I think like a total tool. I, know. I said I said you were both very awesome. <laughs> oh, I see. I was the very awesome Phil Schneider and Jeremy Smith. Yeah, you were both very awesome. There was no right, con- but it didn't seem like a combined it, it didn't seem like a uh, the awesome was being translated across both of our names. He was thinking I mean, there was a comma in there. Yeah, maybe maybe that's my my own uh, in, innate uh, arrogance there though. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of concerned in all forms and fashion I'm concerned right now. Jeremy, were you offended in any way? It's 6 a.m. You can't be offended at 6 a.m. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. I think we should have church at 6 a.m. That would really test our brotherly love. I'm just saying. We did a sunrise service one year. <laughs> one year, he says. <laughs> well, one year, we did a sunrise service for Easter. And uh, if the Lord had not rose that day, uh, I don't know what we would have done to each other. Okay, so on the back channel of Staff Writers' back channel here on Church Mag, we got to brainstorm the idea of a topic. And so whose idea? Whose fault was that? Was it Phil's or was it yours, Jeremy? Um, it, it was a little bit of me. A little bit of you. Okay, so because it's your fault, you can introduce the topic. Yeah, so this idea, first of all, this was sent to me by Jesse Gruber, who, let's be honest, the guy... Had, dabbles a little bit in everything and he contacted me asked me what I thought about this article of how to respond to open letters essentially if you read the whole article it's very um, personal but very simple to get into and it's her response her open letter response to open letters and it discusses it's uh, by Win- Whitney Caps um, who works with Proverbs 31 and she was just saying how much she dislikes open letters. and So it was an open letter to open letters. Yeah. That's very meta, very inception. My mind's spinning a little bit. It is. And, and the idea behind it was really just she loves the church and she wishes you would stop picking on it. It's very simplistic and generalized, but essentially that's the idea. She wishes people would get along better and stop trying to hurt the church. And open letters, she feels does that. So, what do you what do you think, Jeremy? Do you think the open letters hurt the church? I mean, yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. I, I think that. Well, I think that they do hurt the church, um, but I think it's a little bit of how it's taken, and it's a little bit of how it's written. Um, I do recognize that people that are writing open letters, there's a lot, a lot of people that just need to stop. Um, but I also think that there's a reason that people are writing open letters and it's from a good place. Um, I, I hold strongly to the idea that we need to be edified to use that word in there. 
Um, I feel that, that the church really needs to take ownership of what they're doing wrong and to change things. But that's something that's been there for over 2000 years. And I don't think the open letters changes things. Ultimately the article that I wrote in response was more of a, how is open letters impacted by the internet? Because I think that this isn't something that's new. Um, I even quote in the church mag response that Paul wrote open letters to churches, but he sent them to them. And at the end of my article, I actually proposed the idea of doing a reverse open letter where maybe we can get back to what Paul's doing, but then the churches, after they make the changes they've seen, can actually post the internet online themselves and say, this is what we got written up, and here is how we're making changes in our church ministry. And, and I think that the idea of having an open letter online, it's huge in the sense that we can actually make change across the world, but I think it's really difficult to make something like that, especially when the fact that I'm sitting here in Colorado Springs and I could write an open letter to the world, but Eric, your church in Italy probably has very little to do with what my church's response is, except for the Christian foundations that we have and everything that goes behind that, everything that comes after that is everything that has to do with your church specifically. And so when I say, Christian churches, you suck at doing evangelism. Your church might be one of the best churches that does evangelism in the world. And sitting in the middle of Italy where there's a lot of people that need to hear Jesus, you guys might be rocking it. And so you read this and you get extremely offended. And so the open internet, the public forum that it is, I think is difficult to have this idea of open letters. And so that's kind of where I'm at. And I I just, that was my response initially. Okay. So basically what you're saying is you don't have anything against open letters per se. You're talking about kind of the, the the heart in which they're done. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and, And the tech aspect of it too. Right. And you know, there's been times I've been writing a blog post and, or I've thought of a blog post idea. And in my mind, I'm scripting it out and I'm and maybe being a little critical of the church. And I have to pause and think and back up a little bit and think, well, wait a minute. Is am I saying this is what the church is doing or this is what's wrong based on the on the one church that I know of or the two or three churches that I know of? Because I have written blog posts like that in the past on church mag and i've gotten a little bit of kickback like hey you know that doesn't happen here if that's happening at your church then maybe you should you know do a b and c and the first time that happened was a real eye-opener as as a writer in the fact that in my audience perspective and maybe even my global church perspective was way too narrow and like you said you know you might make a, a critical article about oh the church needs to be Uh, evangelizing more. Well, there's a lot of churches that are excellent at evangelizing. So I I totally, I totally see what you're saying, Jeremy. And I've been somebody who, while they weren't officially open letters, I have written, blogged, or even talked to other friends about some deficiencies in the church in general. But again, it's in general. So it doesn't apply across the board. What what do you think, Phil? Well, You know, here's my, here's my thing. I think that if you're going to write an open letter, I think the audience has an understanding that you're generalizing. And so for people to say, well, that's not how my church does it. Okay, okay, buddy. We didn't, we didn't call your church out. We called out the church because it's a problem that the church in general has. So that always just annoys me. You know, it's like when I'm in, uh, when I'm teaching class and I say, okay, a lot of you didn't turn your homework in. I turned mine in. Oh, I don't care, Johnny. Shut up, dude. 
I know, I know you turned yours in because you always turn yours in. You always show me you turning it in. Okay, yeah. I got it, bro. Can we say that on the podcast, Phil? Can we say that? Can we say shut up on the podcast? I don't know. I'll have to check. Uh, uh, hey, Johnny, hush in thine tones. Um, <laughs> Teacher of the year. Teacher. My, my King James version of that comment. <laughs> but you know, my my problem with open letters, and I've actually written a few open letters, and I, I wrote a. I, I didn't write an open letter per se, but I wrote a blog post um, a week ago criticizing Rob Bell. Okay, and I, I tried to be. Merciful in it because he's a person. But my, my problem with open letters in general is the passive aggressive nature of it. You know, like I'm not I'm not calling out a church I've seen. I'm calling out churches in general, trying to be kind of vague about it. Probably because maybe it's my church, maybe it's a church that I visited recently, and I don't want to be that that person who just complains about that one church. That's my issue there. Is it, it's it's. They're so vague. They're so generalized. They don't. They're not that helpful unless. Uh, I'm kind of backing. I'm kind of backing up my own statement here, but unless the person who reads it can say, "Oh yeah, that's totally my church. Wow, yeah," then then they're not really helpful. And to get that specific, you might as well go ahead and just say, "Hey, uh, First Baptist in Allentown, Pennsylvania, you need to set your game up. You're kind of critical, and you're not very welcoming." Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we need to define a little bit better what the open letter is, because I've seen some open letters from Party A to public figure party B, and they, those were considered open letters, but they were very specific. Yes, yeah, exactly. See, an open letter is supposed, open letters were supposed to be uh, civilized ways of carrying on a debate in in, in, in print or in, in public. Um, and now I feel like it's almost like subtweeting, you know? Isn't the entire internet or the entire blogosphere an open letter? Well, I mean, in a way it is. It really is. And and I, I know... I mean, just, just, just the other day, my wife was reading an article to me online uh, about how uh, these uh, academic papers, you know, and academic journals, how it's it's kind of evolved, and how blogs are essentially that, where people can put out a theory, okay, and then people then can weigh in and comment on it, and that we've created blogs have created this this new form and this new uh, way of of. Uh, uh, of research and criticism of of our ideas. I guess perfectly, perfectly a great example because that, that's that's kind of what I've tried doing in some of my posts uh, in the in the past. Is I say, hey, what if we do this and just threw it out there? Now, granted, I'm I'm not a huge blogger, so no one read it, no one commented, and it, it died where it, it died where it published. Oh, you're a huge blogger, Phil. You are by far the biggest blogger on Church Mag. I'm just saying. What are you six four? I am six three, sir. I'm just saying. From my I point was, of view, I wouldn't yeah. know the difference. That's how tall you are. Hey, honestly, you look very tall in your in your avatar. Thank you. Thank you. It's a joke. Never mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm douche. Yeah. That 400, that 400 by 400 pixel image of you, you look huge. I don't know. Um, it's the beard. You look like a lumberjack. So I assume you're. I assume you're Paul Bunyan. You know. There's an app for that. I, I think my issue with it, and Jeremy, I'm not, I don't mean to be um, too to critique your argument here. My problem with the whole the whole Paul example here is that I think the epistles, I don't want to call them open letters because I think they're, they're, they're inspired, they're scriptural, but they're way more open than the open letters we write today because you, you can see, and I think it was, gosh, I want to say it was in one of the Corinthian letters. He says, uh, make sure to share this letter with the church in Laodicea and read theirs as well. And so he's literally, make sure you read the other church's mail and make sure they read yours so they can hold each other accountable. Yeah. 
And because what I'm saying to you probably can apply to some people there too. And so I think our problem is we've gotten so sensitive about uh, our failure. And I'm one of the first ones. I don't go around telling people, hey, you know, I'm really weak at this. I'm really struggling here and this and that. But that's how the New Testament was written. They called you were called out. You were put on put on blast. But like what Jeremy said at the beginning, when we kind of defined things a little bit, he said that the problem that he had with open letters in general was the heart in which many of them were written. And I think everything that you have outlined, pushed back, defined, whatever, is our open letters that have a good heart. I mean, like you said, it was it was uh, it's it's scripture, right? So clearly, the heart behind it is is. Awesome. Okay, but what Jeremy was talking about is the heart in which a lot of open letters that have been put online, the spirit and and the heart in which they have been published that he has a problem with. See, then I welcome those letters because that reveals more of the writer's heart than it is the church's flaws. Well, and we we need to see. Well, it shows both, but but we need to see that those people have that negative image of the church, and they have that vitriol, that bile stored up in themselves, because that means that somewhere along the line, a church wounded them, or more likely, and this is I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna generalize here. Okay, I shouldn't. I should, I'll let me back off that real quick. People who post open letters with that kind of negativity, that kind of rancor, um, are, are generally, I would think, in one of two groups: either the church wounded them in some way. Okay, and they are genuinely hurt by the church and their church experience, or they perceive the church wounded them because they were in the wrong in some way and too immature to realize they're being corrected. What if Phil? What if there's a third thing, a third reason, and that is that is the person writing the open letter is dead right, and they could be, or even that fourth one. They're writing an open letter because their friend blogger also saw a lot of traffic from their open letter, and so they wrote that as well. <laughs> That's a good one. That's and a I very actually, good point. I actually think that one probably has more validity than the other three combined. If you want, Jeremy, it probably does, and that's it, the sad part. It is. It is. I, that, that's kind of why I. I love blogging, but I hate it because blogging makes it really, it makes you more of a business, a business person than an author. You know, it, it really, that's why I like writing for church mag is I can just write it and X guy deal with the metrics. You know, I don't, I don't really care. I just write my post. If it's good enough for him, that's good enough for me. And if it gets, it gets two comments. Hey, if it gets a hundred comments, even better, but I don't really, that when you become a standalone blogger, then that's definitely a pull for you, you know. And I feel like, and I'm gonna get a lot of hate mail for this one, but I feel like it's where a lot of uh, ministers and and popular preachers, you know, go that route. I'm not saying that like like not to, to hit on my favorite punching bag, but I'm just say Rob Bell works that way. But I think a lot of those guys in the Christian, you know, celebrity uh, realm. They're constantly looking for something new to say because that's what sells books and that's what makes them popular. Well, and that's what writes sermons. And if you write a sermon every single week, you run out of content really quick. Right. I think that, I think that the idea of, uh, and again, it comes back to some of the culture aspect because my Baptist background would say edifying is something that you should be doing every five, ten minutes. And then my Mennonite aspect of things would say that you need to have love and grace to everything. And it's where I'm at right now with the non-denominational church that I'm working with is is just constantly talking about um, hold hands and lead others to Christ. And in that time, make sure that you're doing everything for God. And it's almost like an in-between. And really, I think that all three of those are absolutely right. And so this idea of open letter 
ultimately, I think that it's before the the letter gets written, why not have the church that you are thinking of or the churches that you're thinking of read that letter in, exactly like Paul did? Because the church read the letter first. They said, you know what? We need to do this. We need to move forward. And then let the world see everything that you have because there's some validity to what was being said that change needs to happen so that it's not for the sake of having an audience read something and hear you complain a little bit because who cares? Who honestly cares? But for the fact that the church is actually moving forward and progressing in life, that's where I see love and and change happening for the for the kingdom. Hey, you know, you made me think of something, Jeremy. Where you said that, okay, uh, having the church read it first, and then you mentioned that have the church read it first, and then they'll feel the conviction, they'll see the, what they're wrong at. I think that necessitates a relationship with that church, and maybe it's because these open letters, uh, maybe they feel like they're just you know traffic posts because these bloggers don't um, don't demonstrate don't uh, give context for the relationship to the church does it make sense like you see like oh hey I love the church the bride of Christ you know love and supporter but it's like okay you're just a blogger I don't I don't know are you in the trenches are you slugging it out every week you know are you yeah, um, I, I guess that really depends on what the open letter is addressing I mean if it's well, address, if it's addressing a serious doctrinal thing that has been said multiple times from the pulpit that needs to be addressed that that flies in the face of traditional Christianity clearly I think you know that if they're they're trying to educate and and teach people people their readers that what is being said in the pulpit from that church is not gospel truth i think that that's one thing but then the other thing what you guys are saying i think that that isn't a positive is when a blogger is just really it's coming down to traffic and they they see a popular topic and they want to uh just just nail a particular church or a particular ministry over over some issue and not even giving them any opportunity to reply or have any kind of uh a return letter let me give some examples here of what i'm thinking okay I'm going to back this up. Cause I wanna, if, if a minister is saying something that's theologically unsound or, or uh, heretical or just, um, or just in, that, in that weird gray space between orthodoxy and, 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 and heresy, okay, that's when you, I think, if it's okay, if it's a celebrity person, you're not going to get contact with them, okay? You want to open letter to that person, that's fine. But you put it at that person. In my opinion, anyone can write that letter. Because anyone, you don't have to be a, a, a very involved layperson or in ministry to be able to read your Bible. You know what I'm saying? This, so maybe that's just my you know, red-blooded individualistic American approach to like, hey, you can read your Bible for yourself, and you can tell them, you can tell some, you can tell everybody, everybody what it means. And so if you if, if so, you see someone going off as a going off on their own there you can correct that but for me if it's a if you see a problem in a local church that's when you contact that local church stop mm-hmm. writing writing letters based on local churches and look at the big picture so after the whole ferguson thing and i, and I live you know 45 minutes an hour away from ferguson if after the whole ferguson thing if uh you wouldn't write an open letter to to white churches that would have been a great idea because I, I'm sitting, you know, I sit every Sunday at a predominantly white church. Like we have, we have one African American couple. Okay, um, I really wanted to write a letter to my church, but uh, as a pastor on staff, I didn't feel like it was appropriate. Uh, we were dealing with some other generational tension at the time that I didn't, that I didn't want to create racial tension with, you know. But 
I kept seeing people comment on, on Facebook about Ferguson, this and that, and, and saying things just, and nothing was like super duper over the top, like, you know, extremely KKK racist, but it all just exposed a lack of love and a lack of understanding and almost a, la- a, a lack of desire to understand and love. And it was just, I was just blown away by the unchristlike nature Mm-hmm. Of, of my predominantly white church. And so I, would, I, I wish I'd had the time and the determination to write that letter to you know, white American churches, but I didn't. But I feel like that would have been fairly justified because I guarantee you, if my church, which is a great church, a healthy church, and, I, and I, I love my church, if we're going through that tension, I'm sure other churches were too. Well, and I think let's get really personal for vloggers. What about, and I this is only a guess, but what if this was written in response to how many different people decided to pile on with Mars Church, Marsfield's church, and open letters to Driscoll and to the church breaking up within their denomination or whatever you call it now and the independent churches? And how many of the bloggers has decided to write about Mars Hill, open letter or not, had the authority and the wisdom and the actual basis to write an article about them. How many of them actually should have owned that? And how many of them are just writing for the sake of wanting to have people here? And I think that in some ways that's the problem with the internet at times of everybody has a voice. And so nobody has a voice at times. And so how many of them really should have been speaking when they actually should have just been keeping their mouth shut? Right. I really think it comes down to, you know, as a blogger anyway, understanding what your, where your niche is, who your audience is. I mean, the reason why we didn't talk anything about the Mars Hill thing uh, on church mag is there was never a clear intersection with what we cover. So there was no need to talk about it. I mean, we could have maybe talked about some of the social media activity or, you know, I don't know, we might've been able to, to, to spin it a little bit, but there really wasn't anything that provoked us to really need to talk about it. And I think a lot of people with blogs, they get out of focus, maybe because either one of two things happens. Either one, they're like, I'm going to jump on this traffic bandwagon. Or two, they just really feel the need to put their opinion out there. And so they do it because it's their blog. I don't know. And, and ultimately, is it worth it? You can talk about from the blogger aspect, is it worth it? Well, everybody has the voice, blah, 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 blah. And then you talk about it from the Christian aspect. And is it worth it? No. A lot of times, so many times, it's no, it's not worth it. You're not edifying anybody. You're just simply whining, complaining, saying mean words, hoping that someone will be like, oh, yeah, I'm on. I'm with you. We'll follow till the end. And I totally disagree with that. Yeah, kind of that kind of that uh, Internet troll mentality. But I think Phil said it said it really well early on. And that is it really shows the true colors and heart of of uh, whoever's writing it. You know, you can tell by reading it, you know, how much love or care they they may have in their open letter. Yeah. And, and in fact, the way that I end my article about open letters is I'm actually all for them. I think that there actually needs to be more in the sense that we need to be talking about the church. I think that they need to be more bold in the fact that I think we actually hold back. And so as much as Whitney has been offended and upset by these things, I think they could get much better. And I think that we could get more um into the actual conversation of things. And yet I think that we could react and approach it a little bit differently because I think that we're failing in a lot of different aspects too. And so 
Phil, your idea of the Ferguson situation. I think the idea of what's happening in Africa with um, just the different um, attacks on different um, communities there of what's happening in in Italy, even of just being able to say, let church, let's see if we can jump in and, and hold hands and try to show everybody who Jesus is. I think that's amazing. And we could actually try to spur something on with that. You know, I, I would like to say as almost a little bit of a pushback, because I, I see what you mean, and um, I want to agree with you as far as there being more open letter, letters and for us to be a little bit bolder and more criticizing of ourselves. Um, and that is, I was writing an article for another blog. The first version, I was really blunt and very, like, pushed it out there. And one thing he said to me is, you have to bring your reader along with you. You have to kind of pull them, kind of coax them into your direction as opposed to just walking over them and walloping on them on the head, right? Because your audience or the reader, they're, they're not where you're at. They don't see it from your perspective. So you have to kind of, you know, draw them over to where, to how you're looking at things and then present to them what you see. Opposed to, you know, coming up to them and, you know, pounding on them, right? Um, And I think that that's really important to keep in mind in this open letter discussion is that when you are writing that open letter is to, to, to lead your reader to your conclusion because they haven't experienced it. They don't see it how you've seen it. I mean, how many things have you read online to give you your perspective? How many books have you read? How many life experiences is giving you that perspective and that opinion? And so I think that we, we have to, at the same time, be very careful. And, and you know, I guess that's the, the, the flip side of the speaking the truth is the speaking that it, speaking it in love and uh, making sure that, we're, that we have that, like you said at the beginning, Jeremy, having a, a real clean and pure heart when we, we talk about these things. Which I think is where it comes back to what you said and then kind of incorporating mine is uh, stay on target. Um, An idea of writing more does not necessarily mean we have to just write open letter, open letter, open letter. But maybe 10 articles ago, you start talking about your concern about Mars Hill or Ferguson or whatever it is. And then nine articles ago, you talk about how you've been personally affected. Eight articles ago, you talk about some of the content you've experienced in the past and the formulation of your thoughts. And five articles ago, you're talking about how you can't sleep at night and your prayers are just constantly towards that. Four articles ago, you talk about how you spent four hours just researching and reading and all the horrible tweets that it's just getting to you. And all of a sudden, you're at a point where it's open letter time. It has to happen. Your readers are there with you. And if you don't do it, God will probably strike you down. And it just absolutely needs to happen. And then there's follow up with that as well. And I think that when you hit on target and you're focusing on where you need to be in your niche, Yes. Absolutely do it. No, yeah, I mean that that's exactly how it is. You're what you've outlined is taking people through through your own personal journey. You know, the more and more people write about the church, the more and more I feel like and and I love people, but people are stupid. Because <laughs> uh, the more and more I see comments online about this and that, and I'm like, that is absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, I just I I say this pastorally. I said this is someone who, who tends to get dramatic, so I try to temper my, my statements here. I am concerned for the church in, in America. Uh, I'll say the United States because there's several Americas. But I'm concerned for the U.S. church because 
we are one of the most powerful, most uh, influential churches, you know, national churches in the world. And we're probably one of the least intellectual, least thoughtful. And I don't mean greeting card. I mean, like being full of thoughts, least intellectual, least thoughtful, least biblically grounded churches in the world. It is just absolutely striking to me how little thought goes into so much of what we say. And I don't just mean lay people and just regular parishioners. I mean, like, even pastors have so little thought behind their statements. There's so little regard for doctrine and theology. And this op- these open letters sometimes are, 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 are because we've let this go on for so long. And so many people have no idea what what the word church means and what the, and the theology and doctrine behind that. And so these critiques against the church are, are a direct result of that. Phil, this is feeling like an open letter. I, oh. Okay. Here, first, here, off, here. first off, you're not wrong about that, but you know what? I, 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 it's, only, it's only one barrel of the shotgun. I got to hold that barrel of the fire. I think it's it, it's an interesting discussion, and I don't believe that we we came clearly. I our conclusion was if you're writing from a clean, pure heart, if you've shared the journey, if you're being transparent and honest about these things, uh, and you're speaking truth in love, that. An open letter is just fine, okay? And that they're, they're it just, just like with so many different things, just like with technology, you can do good with it and you can do bad with it. That is fundamentally what's going on. But I think to address some of your comments, Phil, if the church globally, okay, not just the United States, but globally, and I think that when we begin to make statements that affect the global church, that we really begin to hit a root opposed to a cultural aspect of church, or a cultural church, the global church, if we would just focus more on caring for the widows and the orphans, the marginalized of society, those without, those without privilege, if we would really start focusing and serving them, if we would start looking beyond the four walls and the four walls of our Facebook groups and the four walls of our church blogs, if we would really start reaching out and caring for the less fortunate all these problems would go away because then our focus would be on Jesus and not on these petty things. That does it for this episode of the Church Mag Podcast. I hope you enjoyed your stay. If you have a comment, question, or an amazing idea for an upcoming podcast, send us an email, podcast at churchmag. That's podcast at churchm.ag. Or find us on Twitter at churchmag. And it would be really awesome if you could leave us a review on iTunes. We'll be sure to give you a shout out. Until next week. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. I think you can cut the audio right there.